0: welcome to sports beat kc the kansas city star sports podcast it's tuesday june 21st and i'm blair kirkhoff the royals are winning if they take one of the next two in la they'll finish with their first winning road trip of the season on today's sports beat kc beat writer lynn worthy checks in from the road and chats with columnist sam mcdowell and Bob gregorian we discuss the reasons for the recent success hint starting pitching and get into the decision the Royals have to make with their rotation this week with the return of Zach Rinke. Also, we look back on the Royals' career of Lorenzo Cain. He was designated for assignment last week in Milwaukee and could it could be at the end of his career, which peaked with the Royals. We share some low-Cain memories. The show started as a live-streamed Sportsbeat Live. Let's get started. Good morning from sweltering Kansas City. Welcome to Sports Beat Live, our weekly conversation and therapy session about the Royals. We talk uh, Kansas City baseball with people in the media who know them best. And with you, please send us your questions and comments, and we'll talk Royals with you. Shout out to our presenting sponsor, the University of Kansas Health System. You'll hear from them later in the show. And we've got Vahe Gregorian, Sam McDowell in the house and Lynn Worthy from Los Angeles.
1: Um, Is the sun up there yet uh, in L.A., Lynn? You know, I believe it is, but I'll (laughs) say this. It's it's early and I haven't eaten yet. So if I'm particularly (laughs) grumpy with anything Sam McDowell says, today we'll chalk it up to that. (laughs) Well, I I think we've all been there with Sam. So (laughs)
0: Um, grumpy, grumpy. With these Royals, with what they're doing this past week, we've done about a dozen of these shows, and I think this is the first time that we have gathered to talk about a team that had a winning record for the week, and uh, that's what's happened for the Royals, who continued their West Coast trip with Monday's win over the uh, LA Angels uh, 6-2. Chris Bubich was really, really good last night. I want to talk about him and Lynn, just what's happening? Uh, what's going right with the Royals on this trip? After they dropped the first two to the to the Giants, um, they've won four out of five. And I think it's—I w- I was looking at the 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 teams just game by game. And last night was the first time they won a game after a loss. Let me see if I can get this out right. Um, so the Royals had a three-game winning streak, and then they lost, um, and then they picked up a win. Right? So four wins in the last five games. When the Royals had won two or three in a row, three was their longest winning streak before this um, it was, it's still their longest winning streak of the season. And then when they lost, they didn't win the next day. they would they would follow a winning streak with a losing streak. and usually the losing streaks were longer than the winning streak. So good sign that they you know they, they ended up losing on Sunday in Oakland, but come back and win on Monday night against the angels. and yeah, so long-winded way of asking you, Lynn, what's been going right for the Royals this past week? Well,
1: and it was the um, – I believe they hadn't won back-to-back games on the road, and Now they, and they won three in a row on the road during this trip. Um, what's been going right has been they've been pitching really well. Uh, I think that's the first thing that jumps out is just the – particularly the starting pitching, but really the pitching overall has done really well on this trip. Um, but the starters have, you know, gone deep in the games. They haven't, you know, uh, taxed the bullpen the way that we saw earlier this season. Um of course, you've gotten timely hits and you've gotten some big hits. But, they I mean, they had, a, uh, I think it was a 2-0 two, two win. They had, you know, like a 3-2 win. So it wasn't like, you know, and, they, and obviously last night you had three home runs and six runs. So you had some games where the offense carried you a little bit more than others. But the pitching has been the mainstay throughout.
0: And both starters and the bullpen, right? But starting pitching, really notab- notable uh, the, the past week. It's been a uh, an ERA of about three with uh, a um, a, an opponent's batting average under 200 during these winning ways for the Royals. And they're getting it from, from everybody. It was Boobich last night. Brady Singer took the loss on, on Sunday, um, gave up his usual three runs and five in the third innings. Um, But then, you know, Daniel Lynch, 10 strikeouts. Was that in, I think it was Saturday's game. He had the 10 Ks and, Jonathan Heasley been pitching well. Uh, Brad Keller with a good outing his last time out. Um, So, yeah, just down the line, Royals getting good starting pitching. And then the bullpen throwing up zeros for the most part during this uh, West Coast trip. So that, to me, asks the question, um, have, have the Royals turned a corner on starting pitching with the young starting pitching? And if so... Um, do, we, do we begin to look at the season a little differently? Sam, I'll ask you that. Um, what, uh, starting pitching has been the um, c- kind of what we've, we've all kind of based the future of the Royals on the, the 2018 draft class that was full of starting pitching, and we're waiting for them to develop and waiting and waiting, and you know, maybe we're seeing some signs here recently that, uh, that they're going to move in the right direction.
2: Yeah, I think last week when we were on, we talked about the fact that this team was dead last in the league in strikeouts and walks, um, which is a hard combination to, to achieve. They're getting much better with the walks portion of it, and you're sort of in that uh, scenario where you say let's let's solve one at a time. Um, but you know, you mentioned the, start, the starters' ERA is 2.11 so since June thirteenth. They're walking only 3.1 guys per nine innings. They're at 4.2 for the year. So they're a a four-walk better for nine innings than what they were. But they're also throwing more quality strikes. It's not just that they're throwing more strikes. When you look at the outer edges of the strike zone, the Royals are throwing 31.8%. Royals are throwing 31.8% of their pitches on the edges of the strike zone. Over this seven games on the road trip, every single every single game they've been throwing a better percentage than that. So they're throwing more quality pitches, not just throwing more shots.
0: Absolutely, I mean that's uh, that's that's what it's about. And so you know, two weeks ago, the world uh, wanted Cal Eldred fired, the Royals' pitching coach. And um, and look, I'm, I'm not saying that. We should um, maybe change the way we feel based on uh, just a couple of starts worth of uh, for each pitcher worth of production. But um, uh, boy, the uh, w- when the Royals fired the hitting coach Terry Bradshaw, the the, the cry was, "Did the right you know you know did the right coach get fired?" And um, and at least now Cal Eldred has um, you know we, we don't we just don't hear his name as much anymore and listen um, Vahe and Sam I know you were both um, had an audience with Dayton Moore yesterday and Eldridge's name came up now it was an uh, kind of an odd um, situation he was it it wasn't at a press conference uh, but it turned into one at at the um, you know at at the function and he he talked about Cal Eldridge Cal Eldridge and and Vahe he was he was pretty upbeat and positive about about his pitching
3: coach he was and and you know Blair just to go to the crux of what you're asking to begin with um it I guess it's too soon to, to say in my mind that they've turned a corner but I think it's not too soon to say the rest of this season is where we'll understand this right I mean this sort of was always going to be a developmental season and If, if developments happen in a way that uh, are more palatable in the, in the weeks and months to come, particularly with the pitching staff, I think we'll look at it differently. Um, so there's that, but to your broader point, uh, or your more specific point about Cal yesterday, I thought that Dayton, um, was trying to give just sort of a, a general, um, I don't know if tip of the cap is the right word, uh, of confidence, something to that effect. But i i didn't think he got into the weeds very much about about uh any specifics i think he just kind of wanted to convey uh faith in cal eldred uh when he knows that there's a lot of people uh who certainly are um in social media and among other royals fans that are are feeling like that's the next thing that has to happen that a change has to happen there and so i i and that's sort of my whole takeaway from it. I th- I think we can say this, though, and I'd be interested to know what everybody else thinks, that um, they made this decision with Terry Bradshaw. That was sort of a uh, a very uh, jarring decision early in the season, but I think it reflected uh, with the, diff- the disconnect between old-school Terry Bradshaw's points of emphasis and a little bit of the new wave of what the Royals have, have really been wanting to stress for a couple years i don't think we understand i don't understand anyway philosophically how that the parallel of that in the pitching area but i but i think we can say that uh they're certainly cognizant of the pitching deficiencies they're they're working on it they care about it as much as they would care about the hitting and they have not identified that cal eldred is their problem um now whether that's denial or or uh just just, you know, responsible stewardship, I, I guess we'll sort of have to learn to understand in the months to come.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a few things that play there with Cal Eldred. Um, one is that I don't see an obvious replacement for him on staff like they had with uh, with Cory Bradshaw. Two, I do think Cal Eldred has adopted a lot of that the, the philosophies that they want to want to adopt. It wouldn't represent the same sort of philosophical change if you made a change of pitching coach that it did a hitting coach. Um, But getting to what Dayton said yesterday, Blair, because I do think that's an important topic to bring up. And, you know, we were all out there. We all saw the full 25 minutes of Dayton Moore. And I know that snippets of what he said were, were, were tweeted out and I didn't think provided the full context of exactly what he said. He was asked specifically by Todd Lebo from 810 how Cal was holding up, basically. And that was his response to that. And to me, the problem is not what Dayton Moore said because what can a general manager say? I mean, he's not going to say, yeah, you know, Cal's not doing a very good job this year. Like, he's never going to say something like that. The problem is that he doesn't have things to point to with Cal Eldridge. to provide specific examples to us as, look at what we're doing as a pitching staff in this area or this area or this area. That's the problem. So I know a lot of people are into the semantics of what the the words of Dayton Moore. um, But I actually thought it was more telling that he said, and we'll look at it at the end of the season. If I'm Kyle Eldred, I'm not confident that my general manager said, or president of baseball operations said, we're going to look at this at the end of the season. And I didn't think that was as big of a vote of confidence as what it was made out to be by, by the reaction of a lot of people from the snippets that were tweeted out.
0: Um, I don't know. I, I, I guess I would, I, I would think that, um, <clears throat> you know, it's better than we'll take a look at it, at the all-star break, you know, and, uh, <laughs> or tomorrow <laughs> that's right, that's right. Or, or as soon as i leave here today um
2: <laughs> oh, now, now that you bring cal up yeah let me look at that. <laughs> <laughs> um
0: it, it is a good point though sam that you make about um what what, what do you expect Dayton more to say in in the moment right uh, he's, of course he's going to support publicly support i imagine if he was asked about terry bradshaw the day before he was fired he would have come out and supported terry bradshaw as well that you know, when, when you avail yourself uh, to the media as um, as often as Dayton Moore does and as far as, you know, the, the length of time for which those uh, uh, events happen, everybody who wants to ask the question does. And and um, in fact, there, there were several questions that were repeated. So but that's just, you know, th- that's Dayton Moore and he feels the responsibility to speak to the fans through the media. And we salute him for that. So. Yeah, I, it's fair to it's fair to quibble with some of the things that some of the responses that that he has, but um, uh, but it's it's also important to discuss what you know some maybe some between the lines and and um, and, and maybe try to interpret a little bit of what
3: what he said.
2: Well said, Blair. Um,
3: okay, speaking of, oh, go ahead, go ahead no, please no, go ahead. Just, just this sort of it's interesting because it was a generous amount of time in in a you know big picture sense 20, 25 minutes. On the other hand, it, it was a little cursory in that I, I didn't think we were, it wasn't gonna be long sit down with us getting to do long exchanges and follow-ups in such a way that he might go into more depth about Cal if he, if he had intended to or had more that he wanted to say. So I, that's all, I, I'm just not sure that um, he was looking to be comprehensive uh, in, in terms of those answers either.
0: Okay, hey, we're going to take a break here, and when we come back on the other side, uh, we will talk, we'll continue to talk about pitching, because the Royals have a decision to make later this week, and we'll get Lynn's thoughts on what's going to happen with the, with the rotation once Zach Reinke returns. Okay, let's, uh, let's hear from the University of Kansas Health System. March 4th,
3: 2015, I got out of the shower and felt a lump in my left breast. We were able to quickly uncover that she had two subtypes of breast cancer, each of them requiring separate and unique treatment plans. This is why you come to the University of Kansas Cancer Center. It is critical to be treated by a team of experts in that specific cancer type. If you don't start with us, I think you'll have more questions than answers.
1: Why would you go
0: anywhere else? Go to kansascity.com and drop down to the bottom of the page where it says start a subscription for more information. Your support has never been more important as always. Thanks for reading and listening. Welcome back to sports beat KC. We're talking Royals baseball with you and with star columnist, Sam McDowell and Bobby Gregorian and beat writer, uh, who has not had breakfast yet. Lynn worthy, uh, all right, Lynn, Royals have a decision to make because baseball's made a decision, right? Or at least they, they finally uh, are going to implement the decision. The 13-pitcher the limit, the Royals have been carrying 14. They've already made that, that decision, correct? I mean, uh, um, Cam Gallagher is now up and, and Peacock went uh, uh, went down. Uh, but now they have another decision to make with Zach Grinke returning, looks like, later this week. And, and how
1: is that going to impact the Royals' rotation? Well, as of right now, they've got five starters. Zach Greinke would represent a sixth, and you don't have an extra pitcher spot. So um, the math there is a little shaky. Um, right now, you're, you're looking at a rotation that currently has uh, Chris Bubich, Daniel Lynch, um, Brad Keller, Brady Singer, and um, Jonathan Heasley. Um, yeah, I grant you to that, and um, somebody's got to go. Um, you're just not sure exactly where they're going, whether that. I mean, well, and on top of that, somebody's gonna have to go off the roster as well. Um, so we don't know if that means somebody goes down to AAA. We don't know if that means somebody gets moved into a bullpen role. Um, we don't know if potentially. Um, I don't think it's all that likely you lose somebody from the bullpen, especially since you just lost somebody from the bullpen, but. Um, It sounded like uh, the door is still open, or at least um, we'll we'll find out, I think, in the next day or so here and out here in Anaheim what their plan is going to be. But uh, Mike McLeany was not ready to share that with us yesterday.
0: Yeah, kind of an interesting move here, isn't it, Sam?
2: Yeah, um, I'm wondering if, you know, Len have obviously been on this whole road trip, if he's getting any feel for the possibility of going with six while – the other five are actually throwing well for the first time collectively this year.
1: You know, I, I was thinking about whether or not that's the way they go. I just wonder if, how that plays out as far as, um, you know, coverage out of the bullpen. Um, I wonder if that means somebody has to be available on the day, a bullpen day out of the bullpen. I mean, like, you know, the day they would throw their side session, I mean, what well, that means they're available out of the bullpen. We've seen some versions of that in the past. Um, even earlier this year, I think last within the last couple of weeks, there was a homestand where they were short in the pen. And I think Chris Bubich waited until after the game to throw his side session because they thought they might have to use that, those pitches in the game. Um, so I don't know if that's the, um, the way you go. I think if you're going to go with six, you almost have to because you don't have you know an extra reliever. Um, and I think we've talked about how, how many of the short starts they've had this season. Um, And I don't think I really realized how many they were until uh, I was writing yesterday. And I went back and looked up, you know, how, you know, because they're going to be short in the bullpen, how many of those starts that they had where guys didn't get to at least five innings. I mean, not, not even counting the five and dive innings, but just the guys who didn't even get to five innings. And I think when Carlos Hernandez was here, he had like six of those starts. Bubic has had something like five of those starts, and every one of those guys has had multiple of those starts, except for Singer, who hasn't been in the rotation throughout the whole season. Um, so I think that's a real concern when you have a short bullpen and the the idea that you know maybe you're going with an extra starter. Um, you're gonna have to do something to make sure you've got innings covered. Yeah,
2: I did I do think that what Len said, I mean. He quoted Mike Matheny as being concerned about the, the roster limitations forcing you to have one fewer pitcher than what the Royals were carrying and worrying about injuries already. So, um, obviously, if you go with six, you've got one few, even one fewer yet and your bullpen. So, it does seem like somebody is going to have to get bumped. And Bubich has sort of been the last guy in here, but for sure has had his best stretch of the season here. I mean, he's thrown um, – just in this streak, you know, he's only given up two runs, and each of his last two starts, he had an outing before that where he threw five shutout innings against the Astros. I mean, um, it's a, it, it's it's a dilemma that a week ago none of us thought the Royals would would have.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's how about that? Which which one of the starters is uh you know which one of these guys who's throwing so well do they do they bump out of the rotation? That's what everybody was saying a week ago. Um, just can you, oh, go I go ahead. Ahead. was
2: can you go with a three-man rotation
1: <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. And it's it was funny too because you know thinking about that going into yesterday's start before Boobich through and with the um everybody in the rotation having thrown so well Um, uh, I asked Mike Matheny I said so you know I asked him about that and then I said so these next couple of starts where you've got some of your young guys pitching I said we shouldn't necessarily think of those as auditions for that last spot and finii said no 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 and he said and he added and if it was I wouldn't tell you <laughs> hey just just
3: to chime in maybe this is captain obvious which is uh you know my my starring role but um if if we're at a stage here where we're talking about that this season really is about development more than anything else and in a certain sense about 2023 2024 even. Then aren't we talking about a matter of what the real priorities have to be demonstrated to be? And if that's the case, don't we need to see the five guys who are starting now start? And and I I don't know where that leaves Frankie. I don't know if it means a six-man situation. I I don't know. But I it it's a go back to how you phrased this to begin with, Blair. It is a little bit of a dilemma philosophically. I think, even in, in, in terms also of execution, but also of what the statement is.
2: I, I do think that makes it a lot tougher, Wahe. I mean, you don't want to boot a guy like Chris Bubic or, uh, you know, I, I think Daniel Lynch is certainly safe, but you don't want to boot guys like Bubich or Jonathan Heasley out of your rotation purely because, you know, I mean, the Royals have these sort of, artificial markers before they feel like they can really judge players. And it's all about experience in the major leagues. You know, I think a lot of them say, "What? what is it, Lynn? like 90 starts? I mean, it's, it's a large number um, before they feel like you know what you have in a, in a starting pitcher. And, you know, you don't get starts by in, in, in Omaha or, or in the bullpen. So – I absolutely think what you said, Vahé, is, is a major wrinkle in all of this. Um, and it sounds like what you're saying is to bench Zach Reinke. Um So I just wanted to fill in your thought there. If I already were been a col- If I
3: were if I were a columnist, I'd I'd write that, Sam.
1: <laughs> well, I, I also, I mean, um, Sam, you mentioned, you know, like, oh well, you don't get starts by going, you know, going somewhere else. I mean, I guess. Technically speaking, I mean somebody could get starts down at AAA. I mean, guys have been throwing well here, so you I mean you hate to say, okay, you've been throwing well here, but you're you're going to be leaving here just because you know a numbers game, especially guys that you think maybe you go you're you're thinking about going forward. Um, again, the lost the roster limit sort of makes it tough to think about a six-man, but at the same time, when you've got as many young guys um, and guys who haven't pitched full seasons, you know. Under normal circumstances where you can adjust the roster, six of probably would make even more sense because you know, as you're looking at the guys in the rotation, aside from Brinke, who you think you can count on for innings, the rest of the guys haven't pitched full seasons, really. I mean, even Keller, who's been your guy who's had the most innings, He's never gone past, I think it's 165 and a third or something like that. Um, And, you know, Singer last year had one full season, but he had a couple of I.L. stints. So I think he stopped at 27 starts. So you don't have that many guys who've actually done this. So, I mean, maybe it's, you know, if you had more wiggle room, you say, okay, Granky's the guy that we know we're going to get innings from. Put him back in so that when the other guys have whatever it's going to be, whether it's short starts, whether it's, you know, have to take a break, whether it's, you know, have to manage their innings, um, you have the one guy you can count on. I guess the flip side of that also is just that, you know, well, if these guys are going to be able to get stretched out to throw these many many innings, then you got to throw them now so they can get to that point.
0: I think maybe the solution is to bring Grinky back as a catcher because the Royals don't seem to carry enough of those on the roster right
3: now. <laughs> well, he's he, he can field any position, Blair. So he can. He's the most he's versatile. That.
0: So all right. Hey, let's let's use the last few minutes of this um of this show and discuss a former Royal. Uh Lorenzo Kane was DFA'd in Milwaukee this week. He got his ten years of service time in and um really nice gesture on the Brewer's part to, to keep him and then let him get his 10 years so he qualifies for the you know for the max pension in, in baseball. Of course, you know, that's the organization he started with, came to the Royals in the trade, um, along with El Escobar, and um and and of course the um the, the Royals had their shortstop and center fielder for the great teams of the, the past decade. So just wanted to ask uh Bahe and Sam, uh, about their their favorite memory of Lorenzo Cain, but Lynn, you were not covering the Royals uh, and weren't in Kansas City then, but I know you wrote you wrote the story about uh, Lorenzo departing here, and let me just ask you, is there any chance of the Royals bringing him back on a letting him retire as a, uh, in, a in a Royals uniform?
1: I mean, I didn't get that sense. I mean, obviously, there's still people who feel like he's a major part of this franchise's history, the the run that they had, um, you know, fourteen and fifteen, um, just shaping, you know, even just the, for this front office, obviously, he's a key figure in them. I think JJ Piccolo described it as maybe the biggest trade that they've had, you know, in their time here. Um, but I don't know if that's really that se- the sense of that. Um, it was funny though, just thinking back to it must have been spring training in. I don't remember if it was 20 or 19, if it may have been 20 before the um, before the pandemic, being out at the Brewers spring training site, and you had Royals fans out there, and Kane's coming up, and there's a lot of cheers, and you could hear Royals fans, um, you know, so I think somebody, you know, he shouted out, and he won a World Series with us. And the Brewers fans yelled back, no, but he's ours now. And it was just funny. That was the first thing that came to mind as I started hearing people talk about, well, maybe he'll sign a one-day contract to retire with the Royals. And, of course, Brewers fans are like, oh, he was with us to begin of his career. So it's just the thing that was bouncing around in my head as this unfolded. Polite Midwest fan bases going after each other. I like it. So,
0: All right. Hey, so Vahe and Sam, what uh, what, what do you remember most about, about Lorenzo Kane?
3: Well,
2: I, I just go ahead, Sam. I, I mean, I, I think you know the, the the play where he scores from first base, which eventually becomes the game winning run in the ALCS uh clincher. Um, Amazing. Uh, enemy of the show, Andy McColo, wrote a great story about yesterday. Um, but you know, Lawrence, Lawrence, I would like also to point out as a side note that before Patrick Mahomes' fake old man walk, there was Lorenzo Cain's old man jog down the first baseline. Like, he he invented the Izzy hurt with uh, something wrong with his um strut. So uh, Lorenzo Cain just played the game in such a cool style, I thought. Uh, he was always available to us in the media. Um, never, you know, never didn't take questions with us. I just thought he was a great guy to interact with in the clubhouse. Um, but yeah, I mean, he completely changed the way center field, I thought, was played at Hoffman Stadium. I mean, um, you had to have somebody who could roam center field. And amazing, the Royals had two of those guys with Gerard Dyson and, and Lorenzo Kane actually shifting to right field at times to make room for Gerard Dyson. And Kane was probably about the best football in the game at that time. Um, so just a guy that could help you in so many ways win a game.
3: Uh, just, just a few things with him. What first thing comes to mind is, of course, the, the oddity of that being uh, the, the the Zach Greinke trade, right, and how that has that sort of had a lasting effect. I don't know what it was thought to be at the time, but I, I imagine it was not thought to be a winning Royals trade at the time, or at least not to the extent that it became. Um, the other thing with him, it, it's funny, there's so many things to think about in what he did, but... For some reason, what really stands out to me is uh, 2014 in Baltimore, where he made so many plays that you had this sense that that he, not single-handedly, but but he absolutely was a guy just deflating the Orioles every time they hit a ball that looked like it was going to be extra bases. Um, I, I just can't keep it keep all the plays straight in my head. There were so many. Um, And that, that was, uh, part of the beauty of that team. The other thing with him too, I remember getting here in 2013 from St. Louis and he was a little injury prone. There was some stuff with his, his stride and things like that. And, uh, I, I, I think that's just a reminder that sometimes these breakthroughs come in, come in different points and, uh, we'll see how that, that plays out with the current Royals and what, what breakthroughs are, are ahead. But, but, uh, um, I don't know that we foresaw what was going to come with him after his first couple of years.
0: You know, one thing that I always found interesting about Lorenzo Kane is we, we all agree his defense was phenomenal. And I think he won uh, one gold glove in, in his career. And that was because uh, gold gloves are, are awarded by position and he never, you know, he was always moving around. Right. And um so alex gordon won all the gold gloves in left field but lorenzo cain would play right play in center and never seemed to have enough games in one position to qualify for a gold glove and all he was was the best defensive player and maybe one of the best defensive players in in royals history and um yeah scoring from first on the single in in game six of the alcs was incredible 20 uh 2015 and in 2014 by you make a good point i in the in the opening series against the Angels, he made a couple of defensive plays out there in center field that I thought set the tone for the whole postseason for the Royals. He just was phenomenal. So, um, great Royal. He'll be in the Royals Hall of Fame, of course.
3: Just one other thought. I wonder how many kids in the Kansas City area have batting gloves and they step back from the plate and unwrap them and put them back on every single, every single pitch because of him, uh, which – it's kind of a cute little quirk, but it's part of uh, the reason the game is so slow. <laughs> I was going to say,
2: I going to say, if that number is one, it's one to the <laughs> I
0: also liked how he leaned back on the, you know, on the big swings too. That was really cool. And as uh, Pete Gradhoff mentioned in his his tribute to Lorenzo Cain, his smile—he had the greatest smile of the, you know, of the Royals of the of, of that era. So, all right, let's get out of here. Um, thanks a lot to everybody for, for watching. Thanks to Lynn and Vahe and Sam for their insights today. Thanks to the University of Kansas Health System uh for presenting today's show. And we'll be back a week from today, 10 a.m. on Tuesdays, Sports Beat Live Talking Royals with you. Thanks a lot. That'll do it for today. Thanks to Monty Davis, who produced the live stream and the podcast, and to our Sports Beat KC staff of Randy Mason, Jeff Rosen, and Chris Pickett. Shout out to our sponsor, the University of Kansas Health System, and tip of the cap to Lynn Worthy, Bahe, Gregorian, and Sam McDowell for sharing their Royals insights. Today and every day, Morning Sports Edition provides you complete coverage in sports. So much stuff crammed in there today. Stanley Cup, College World Series, golf, auto racing, so much more. Go to liveedition.kansascity.com for more information. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another Sports Beat KC.